Hey, everyone, thank you for participating in this online service of our church. It's great to see you. At least we can connect online. I'm just curious how your week's gone, if there have been some interesting conversations. I've had some weird conversations during this season that we're going through. For instance, two of our sons are home from college. They're now doing college online. And earlier this week, I had a conversation with one of my sons, and he said, okay, Dad, now I've got to stop, and now it's time for me to go and do my online golf class. I'm thinking, how do, you, how, do you, how do you do an online golf class? Do you have to buy a Wii? What do you do? And, uh, you know, it was just one of those moments where you realize this isn't normal. And I think the reality of what we're going through right now, part of the anxiety, the fear that we are experiencing is, is fueled by the fact, the simple fact that what we have lost is what's normal. For some of you now, you're scrambling to do online classes and you're wondering whether your school is going to meet at all during the semester. That's not normal. We've been to grocery stores. We've seen empty shelves. That's that's not normal. Some of you are in thriving businesses and industries, but now you find yourself laid off and you're wondering what's next. That's not normal. We're wondering now about hospital supplies and if if even our local hospitals at some point are going to run out of supplies. That's not normal. What you and I have lost over the last few days is really what's normal to us. And, And we're experiencing this in different ways, but the bottom line is all of us in some sense have experienced the loss of what's normal. And that really brings me to a, to a simple principle that I, I want us to talk about this morning. And the, the principle is this. When you lose the normal, remember what's fundamental. When you lose the normal, remember what's fundamental. Well, that brings us now back to our series, Love This Book, where we're going through the opening part of the Old Testament. And this morning, we're in this passage in Deuteronomy. So we've worked our way to Deuteronomy. And to understand Deuteronomy, let me just take you back to some of what we've already seen in the storyline of the Bible. If you recall, we watched the children of Israel, the nation of Israel come out of Egypt. God delivered them, and, and we see them at Mount Sinai, and God gives them his law. He is defining the relationship that they now have. He's given them his covenant. They're now in this relationship with him. And of course, as the storyline continues, it, it becomes clear that the people aren't ultimately going to live into their new identity, who they are. And they fail to fully embrace their mission. We see that in the book of Numbers. And as a result, they're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And over that 40-year period, many the, the people who came out of Egypt uh, slowly die off. That generation dies off. But now as we come to Deuteronomy, it's time for a new start. There's a, a new generation present, and it's time for them It's time for them to enter the land. And what does Moses do as he prepares the people to enter the land? In a real sense, he reminds them of the fundamentals. He takes them back to remember God's story and what God has done. He reminds them of this covenant and what it means to flourish in relationship with God. He reminds them of their identity. He's taking them back to the fundamentals, right? When you... When you lose what's normal, remember what's fundamental. In fact, the term Deuteronomy means second law or second giving of the law. Now, in the the course of, of reminding these people what's fundamental, here's what Moses does. 
First of all, he, he reminds them of their history. And in reminding them of their history, he reminds them of God's faithfulness. Then he reminds them of the, the Ten Commandments, which were central to their relationship with God. And then after he reminds them of the Ten Commandments, he explains other more detailed laws that show what this is going to look like on an everyday basis. You get farther in the book of Deuteronomy, and he explains what will be the results of their obedience as well as what will be the results of their disobedience. This is sometimes referred to as the curses and blessings part of Deuteronomy. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 29, he, he, he leads them in a time of covenant renewal, right? This is the time when everything is going to change, but now we are renewing ourselves to this relationship with God. Moses has brought them back to the fundamentals. What has been normal for them is now passing away, and when the normal is gone, it's time to remember the fundamentals. That's exactly what Moses is doing here. But then we get to chapter 30, and in chapter 30 things change dramatically because in chapter 30, Moses looks to the future. He's given the opportunity to look to the future. And you know what? As, as he looks to the future, he's able to understand that over time, these people, this nation, we're not going to be obedient. Over time, we are going to ultimately walk away from our relationship with God and ultimately end in exile. It's, it's a grim look at the future. Nonetheless, there is still this expectation of hope that God won't end, uh, give up on his promises. Moses envisions that at, at, at some point, God's going to bring his people back into their land, and ultimately, God's going to do something new. In fact, he uses this unusual imagery in, in Deuteronomy 30 to explain this. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul, and live. Now, Moses continues in chapter 30 with a, with a final charge to the nation. He says, look, ultimately, I put before you the options of life and death. Now I want you to choose life. And here's where, here's where this gets really interesting. And in a real sense, here's where you and I are drawn into the storyline. Centuries after uh, Moses writes this, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans in Romans chapter 10 looks back at Deuteronomy 30. And when he looks back at Deuteronomy 30, he says this. He says, ultimately, Moses wasn't simply addressing the people of Israel. Moses was also addressing you and me. He's acknowledging that in a real sense, what Moses was doing was anticipating the good news of the gospel. So Moses wasn't simply talking to them. He's also talking to us. Now, for those of us who are followers of Christ, when, when you and I, when we receive the work of the gospel, we've received this forgiveness, this new life, this transformation. And one of the ways the Old Testament uh, envisions the work of the gospel is this unusual phrase, a circumcised heart. Now, that imagery communicates the, the reality that what God is now doing through the gospel is he's, he's working at the very core of who we are. When we become Christians, uh, we, we, we literally become people who are now in Christ, and his spirit is now at work in us. We enter into this new relationship, which enables God to be at work in us. I think one of the uh, uh, outcomes of this image of circumcised heart is this. You know, under the old covenant, circumcision was a sign of outward obedience. 
But now under the new covenant, a circumcised heart indicates that God is leading us into obedience by by the power of his spirit from the inside out. God is now doing a work in us. And this is a work that Moses anticipated in the book of Deuteronomy. So I think in a real sense, Paul Paul is wanting you and me to see, you know what, Moses... Moses wasn't simply addressing the people of Israel. Moses was also challenging us. Moses wasn't simply taking those Israelites back to the fundamentals. He was also taking us back to the fundamentals as well. So how how do you and I, how do we take this seriously? How How do we engage the message of Deuteronomy? I mean, if Moses is taking us back to the fundamentals, what does that really look like for us, particularly due to the fact that as Christians, we're, we're not under the Old Covenant. We're not under the Old Testament law. Well, even though we're not under the Old Covenant, we're not under the Old Testament law, there is a core truth that is central to Deuteronomy. It's a truth that was fundamental then, and it's a truth that is fundamental now. It's a truth that was fundamental to the Israelites as they were preparing to enter a new chapter. It's a truth that is fundamental to us as we are dealing with the coronavirus in these very unsettled times. And the truth that really is at the core of Deuteronomy, the truth that is fundamental both then and now, is a truth that is found in Deuteronomy 6. It's really the heart of Deuteronomy. Let me read for you Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. Jesus would come back to this very, very passage centuries later, right? He said the the foundational principles of the law were these, to love the Lord your God with all you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if, if these are core principles... What does it look like for you and me to take this seriously? In a time like this where we've lost the normal and we need to remember what's fundamental, what does it look like for for you to really embrace this? What does it look like for me to embrace this? How do we do this? Well, let let me just highlight two observations for you that I think flow out of Deuteronomy. First of all, we need to remember The truth is this, I think to to love God, as Deuteronomy describes, to love God truly, we have to remember God's love. You see, it all starts with God's love for us. In fact, it's really God's love that empowers us to respond in love. So um, even as we think in these terms, remember that before Moses told the people to love God, he reminded them of, of God's love. Let me, let me just give you one example of that. If you look in Deuteronomy chapter 2, Deuteronomy 2, 7. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through your vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked for anything. You see, before Moses told the people, hey, you need to love God with everything you've got, He reminded them of God's love. And I think particularly in a season like this, that's chaotic, that's uncertain, we need to be intentional in remembering God's love. With that in mind, let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this question. What reminds you of God's love? 
What reminds you of God's love? I've realized many of us, we're gathered in living rooms. Maybe we're with some friends. Uh, maybe you're with your family. And I also realize by this time in the service, maybe things have been a bit chaotic in your living room. Hey, that's okay. That's part of this experience. But let me challenge you to do this. When, when this service is over, if you're with other people, uh, let me encourage you just to have a brief conversation surrounded, uh, or, 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 or a brief conversation really built around this question. What, what reminds you of God's love? Just go around the room and answer that question. What reminds you of God's love? For some of us, maybe what reminds us of God's love are certain experiences of the past where we've seen God at work. For others of us, maybe what reminds us of God's love are certain people in our lives, people that are really agents of grace, agents of encouragement. And the way they interact with us just reminds us of God's love. Maybe for you, there are certain passages of Scripture that are really helpful in remembering the truth of the gospel. And these are things that are important for us to come back to in days like these. For instance, for me, one of the things I think about is that parable Jesus told. Remember... Remember the parable Jesus told about two sons? We, we often call it the parable of the prodigal son, but it's really the story of two sons, right? There's the younger brother who's really irresponsible. He asks for his inheritance and he goes off and he blows it doing a variety of unhealthy things. Then he comes home in really humility and disgrace and embarrassment. And, and it's there that he experiences the father's love and the father's grace, All the while, while he's been irresponsible and doing other things, that older brother has been home. He's been working hard. He has been doing his duty. But, you know, here's here's what troubles me about that story. What I find troublesome is the fact that the older brother, he never left the father's house, but he also never knew the father's love. He was so close to the father, but he never truly understood the way he was loved by the Father. And for me, that is a powerful reminder that, you know, we can be busy with church stuff, we can be busy in Christian activities, and somehow, in all of that busyness, lose sight of the depth and reality of God's love. So sometimes this story in Scripture just reminds me to slow down and take time to celebrate, you know, the work of God. Take time to really consciously acknowledge, where do I see God at work, and where is his grace being known around me right now. And can I suggest to you, particularly in a time like this, it is important for us to remember God's love. Among other things, we're, we're living in a cultural moment with heightened anxiety and you know, heightened uncertainty. And you need to understand, I need to understand that one of the things anxiety does, it blocks our awareness of God. So I want to encourage you that if, if we're going to live into this fundamental truth of, of loving God, we, we need to remember the reality of God's love. And I encourage you to be intentional in that. But secondly, not only do we need to remember, we also need to respond. Right? As we remember God's love, it, it should lead us to respond. And, and that's what Moses was getting at. Right? I want you to love, love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, and with all your strength. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's think about the terms, the terms that Moses uses here. He, he talks about loving God with all your heart. And maybe that term heart, for us, it communicates the idea of romantic feelings. We think about Valentine's Day. But, but the Hebrew term here is, is a much broader, it's a much more robust image. The term used here uh, is, is a term not primarily focused on feelings. It, it, it's a term that refers to our direction, our our. Our, our, our orientation in life. 
It's, it's what you are pursuing, what, what you're treasuring, what you truly desire. That's, that's what the Hebrew term means when it talks about your heart. And your heart is the place where your emotions, your mind, and your will come together. As one author put it, what the heart most wants, the mind finds reasonable, the emotions find desirable, and the will finds doable. So to, to love God with all of our heart is to orient our lives in his direction. And I think in that, with a sense of trust, with a sense of purpose, with a, a sense of belief and desire for moving in that direction. And this is only intensified with the next term, which is soul. And this is really getting at the deepest level of who we are, the deepest levels of our desires, the deepest levels of our longings. And finally, there's that term strength. In this context, I think most likely it is functioning as an adverb. In other words, you are to love the Lord your God with your heart, with your soul, and you're to do it with everything you've got, with all of your strength. So Moses takes the people of Israel, just as he takes us, back to the fundamentals. (laughs) Love the Lord your God. So what exactly does this look like for us? I mean, when we think about remembering God's love and responding, what does that look like, particularly in a season like we're experiencing now? Well, let me see if I, if I can be as concrete as I can be. And, and I want to do that by talking about two different ways, two different dimensions of how we can respond and love God this way in this particular circumstance. First of all, I, I think the response of loving God in this season that we're going through together involves humility. And here's, here's what I mean by that. I don't know about you, but this is a season that, that I found humbling. I mean, I, I came into this season kind of towards the end of March and the beginning of April, and, and I had all sorts of plans. There were certain trips that were going to be a part of this season of life for me, and there'd been a lot of planning that went into that, other things going on, and, and, and all of that's been changed. And I think for you, 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 can, you can identify certain things in your life that, that are now changed. There were certain projects at work that are now changed, certain school assignments, maybe certain travel, things you were going to do during spring break, either even weddings that have been postponed, graduations that are now being canceled. All the things that we had put so much effort in planning, have, they've now changed. Even in my conversations with some of our staff now, I find myself saying, well, we're going to plan through this, but we've got to... We've got to hold our plans loosely because things are very fluid. And I think there's a humbling dimension to this that we, that we need to acknowledge. Because what, what I'm finding is this season is, is removing the illusions that I had about how much I control my life. And I think we need to acknowledge that. That's part of responding to God in love. We just, we need to acknowledge that We don't control life the way we thought we did. We need to do that not with a sense of resentment or begrudgingly, but but with a sense of trust. So I think part of our response is is an attitude of humility. But I think coupled with that attitude of humility is also a certain confidence. Confidence that God is at work. Once again, remember what Moses does. Before he tells the people, love the Lord your God, he reminds them of God's faithfulness. 
And part of the reason he does that is this. He is reminding them them of his faithfulness in the past. And in essence, he's saying, look, God has been faithful in, in the past. And that means you can trust him now in the present. And that is true for you and me as well. You see, one of the ways we we love God is by living with the confidence that he is at work. And I want to encourage you to lean into to that truth right now. The confidence that God is at work even in this surprising situation. Now, that's not a confidence that things are magically going to get better overnight. It's not a confidence that presumes that things could not get worse. They very well may get worse before they get better. But it's a confidence to know that even in the midst of all this uncertainty, God can truly be at work. I think you and I need to develop and foster that confidence. And, and the reality is this, when, when this confidence becomes our mindset, I think, first of all, it, it, it will make you more attuned to what God is wanting to teach you in this moment. You see, I think there are things God is wanting us to learn through the midst of these surprising circumstances. Furthermore, I, I think as, as we... As we develop a confidence in God, it's going to make us more attuned to how we can adapt to changing realities, right? Part of what we've had to experience is the fact we've got to change certain things, certain routines in this situation. And when you've got a confidence that God is at work and God is with you, it will help you to become more adaptable in dealing with those new realities. Furthermore, I think as we develop this confidence That God is at work. It's going to make us more attuned to the ways we can serve, the ways we can be building into relationships, the way we can really spread hope in in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our communities. One of the things that's just really encouraged me over the last few days is just hearing stories of the ways people are stepping up, the ways different groups are finding out how they can connect, the ways different people are checking in on one another, to hear stories of how people are stepping up and saying, look, I want to serve, I want to help, how can I do that? And once again, I'll just remind you, we're putting all of that information at hfcinfo.com, so keep checking that because we are updating that on a regular basis. But But that confidence that God is at work is going to move us in healthy directions. So once again, here's here's our reality. You and I, we have lost what's normal. And we don't know when we're going to get it back. We don't. But when you lose what's normal, remember what's fundamental. And even as Moses was speaking to the Israelites centuries ago. He's now speaking to us. What's fundamental for them then, and I think what's fundamental for us now, is that we love the Lord our gods. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And as you do this, not only will you love God, you will ultimately overflow in that love to the neighbors around you as well. So let's be people who do this. Let's be people who remember and respond to God's love. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we um, continue to go through this situation, I do pray for us as a church community. I pray that in the midst of all this uncertainty, in the midst of the loss of normal, we could come back to what is fundamental. And at the heart of who we are is the challenge to love you with all of our heart, soul, and strength. 
Father, may we be people who remember the truth of your love, even in the midst of this chaos, and be people who respond to that. People who respond in humility, but people who respond in confidence. And as a result of that, may we be people who are spreading hope, even now, in the lives of those around us. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ that makes this possible. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.